Hello and welcome. I'm your host, Peter Gaiman, Professor of Old Testament and Biblical Languages at Shepherd Seminary. This podcast is dedicated to discussing issues related to scripture and theology. For more information, visit petergaiman.com. Well, hello there. I'm sure you're wondering what has happened to me over the last two months. Uh, Some rumors have been circulating that I have been deceased, but I assure you I am very much alive. And I apologize for not recording any episodes, but I have been extremely busy. Uh, Over the last couple months, I have been finishing a paper that I presented at a theological conference in Denver at the beginning of November. And we had a church conference at Shepherd's Theological Seminary, Shepherd's 360 conference for a bunch of local churches with about 700 pastors that came. So all sorts of things have been keeping me busy. And then on top of that, at the end of the semester, I've really been pushing hard to finish grading before I head to Israel for a couple weeks coming up. So all of that's been keeping me very busy. But that doesn't mean that there hasn't been things worth talking about. I just have been prioritizing other things, unfortunately. But I'm happy to be back uh, again, recording something that I think will be very profitable to think through and to, and to talk about. And really today, what I wanted to address was why going to church is so important. And you say, well, isn't that obvious? I mean, for me, when I was growing up, it was assumed that everyone goes to church because it is important. But I can't actually ever remember being sat down or hearing why it was so important that I went to church. I mean, why couldn't I just miss? In fact, I remember uh, when I was 12 years old, I was playing on a travel baseball team and I missed almost the entire summer of church services. I think I went to one or something like that. And I remember thinking to myself, is going to church actually important? Like, could I just exist without going to the church? And so that was something that I was wrestling through. And if I could go back and talk to myself, I would be able to much much more clearly explain why it is important to be at church. And I think I want to kind of delve into some of those thoughts in this episode. But in order to kind of introduce this this topic, I was made aware of a little excerpt that CNN did on what's known as a virtual church. And so I'm going to play a video for us, and the sound's going to route through. You're not going to be able to see the picture, obviously, But it's pretty self-explanatory. In the video, the narrator kind of introduces what they're looking at, what they're going through, and it shows a picture of what the virtual church would look like. And you can kind of pick up on that and how they describe it in that the virtual church basically just looks like a role-playing RPG game of sorts, uh, kind of really not that great graphics, but that's not the point. It's like a interactive chat room of sorts. And so you can kind of just visualize that and, and see how the explanation goes. And I want to make a couple comments on the video and to where our society is going and then make uh, a breakdown uh, comparison with Scripture. So let's uh, see if we can get this rolling here, and uh, we'll, we'll break it up a little bit. There'll be about a minute, and then I'll uh, do a couple other clips. The entire video is about nine and a half minutes, but we'll just do a, a few clips. All right, here we go. When you think about a church service, you might imagine something like this. A building, a congregation, people sitting in pews. But what if you didn't have to go to church? What if all of this was online? Mike's in the house. What's up, Mike? How you doing? Good, bro. (laughs) 
That is wild. Hold on, I'm getting a picture. Wait, this is chilling. So basically, you just took a selfie in the digital game there on the video. If you're just coming in for the first time ever and you have no idea what you just ran into, uh, basically, this is a church on Twitch and is specifically for gamers. For so I'm watching a church service that is streaming on a website called Twitch, which is usually used to live stream video games. Now this church has existed since 2014 and it's reached up to 100,000 people on the platform. And believe it or not, this is not the only digital church service out there. All right, and then it goes into introduce some of these different church services that are based in Washington and New York and what have you. So literally people from all over the world, in fact, uh, I think in the next clip uh, or maybe a different clip, uh, it mentions that there are over 50 countries that are involved in these worship gatherings. And so it's it's really kind of fascinating. And you heard the number there, over 100,000 people have been reached with regard to the people who are interacting with these these online virtual churches. And one of the people that's being interviewed uh, is essentially a, I mean, he looks like he's 20 years old. Uh, he's right around 20. I mean, it can't be much older than that, maybe even younger. And he essentially is in charge of one of these churches. So here's, here's the section of the interview with him. American millennials especially are much less likely to pray or attend church regularly or even to consider religion an important part of their lives. Daniel started his church when he was 11 on a website called Roblox, which allows users to create their own games. This is the Robloxing Christians group. Uh, we are a non-denominational church that has been serving the Roblox community since 2011. And today, there are over 15,000 people who are members of the church Daniel created. This is our home church. And this is what our characters kind of look like, they're little blocky little things. So how did you get an idea to start an online church? One day I realized, like, I just like felt like looking for, uh, for a group to join. Um, and I was, and I was thinking about what, what kind of things am I interested in? And one of the things I was inter interested in was uh, uh, my faith. It kind of evolved into us praying for each other and worshiping in game singing songs like in virtual like text chat. It was kind of like the first online church service kind of that I had experienced. This is All right, I'm going to stop it there for a second. Now, you, one of the common threads, I don't know if you picked up on this, and I don't think I picked up on this uh, before the, the first couple times I watched it, but he was 11 years old when he started this online church. There's 15,000 people that, that go to it. And of course, as they're interviewing and talking, they're, they're kind of showing the computer screen about how you have these little avatars running around and they're chatting to each other. You know, God is good. God loves you, that kind of thing. And obviously, there's, there's a lot of things we could talk about on this just at the very level. I mean, an 11-year-old uh, being in charge of a quote unquote church is just not a biblical picture, obviously. But, you know, it's it's one of those things where the biblical qualifications for eldership demand maturity. It demands uh, being seasoned in life, having, in fact, one of the qualifications for elders is having your family under control. But I mean, obviously, 11 year old doesn't even have a family. So, it's one of those things. In fact, uh, later on in the video, I, I don't, didn't include this clip. But later on, he says, you know, one of the reasons why this is so important to me was because my grandpa was a pastor and I guess I am now too. So 
the question is, can you actually be an online pastor, of course? And I think, although that goes beyond what we're going to talk about today, I think that it's worth saying that really the biblical model of eldership and shepherding goes beyond just chatting to somebody, giving them some encouraging phrases or things like that. Obviously, the picture in the biblical uh, viewpoint is to have life on life discipleship where, and we'll talk a little bit more about this, where you get in each other's faces when there's sin, you know, lovingly, but you confront one another lovingly. You meet each other's physical needs. You know, if you need a place to stay, you stay with me. If you need something to eat, I feed you, you know, that kind of deal. And it's not just a uh, community. In fact, the underlying reason why he started this online church, this individual at least, was because he wanted to belong to a group. But as you no doubt can understand, it's not just being a part of a group that makes it a church. There's a lot of quote-unquote fellowship that takes place in lots of different groups. If I just wanted community, I could go be a part of a bar. That's that's fine because there's community that takes place there. There's, there's encouragement. But that's not the role of a church, or I should say that's not just the role of the church. That may be nice. But a church is far more than that. And we're going to talk more about that in a second. So I'm going to give you one more clip here uh, where he just talks about how how this has influenced him and just the, just the impact that his quote-unquote ministry has. When I'm really in the heart of preaching or I'm praying for someone online, like it may not feel like I'm like physically there, but it really pulls on my heart, I think. I'm able to connect with people on a deeper level than how I feel like I connect at church in real life. Members of Daniel's church are from 50 different countries, and the majority are middle and high schoolers. As a broader church, you know, the, we're just not attracting the, the young people as we have in the past. Meeting young people uh, online, if it's on Roblox or it's in virtual reality, you know, meeting people where they're at um, is really powerful. All right, so... You can kind of see, and this, we haven't talked about it on this podcast before, but it's it's a very prevalent idea. This, uh, you'll, you'll often hear the idea of seeker-sensitive churches that try to meet people where they're at. And again, I would just say that that's not the role of the church at all, is to meet somebody where they're at. The role of the church is to provide edification and maturing, according to Ephesians 4, for the believers that are there so that they can go out and be witnesses for Christ to the world. And so if the underlying goal of a church is to just meet people where they're at, provide easy accommodation, I mean, that's not a church. That's not a biblical church, I should say, even if they have the name. So it's interesting. I'm not sure when CNN first released this uh, video. I was made aware of it last week, I think. But I thought it would be worthwhile just looking into because this is one of the things that people are highlighting in our current generation is let's use technology. You know, church fellowship in the age of technology is different and we need to get with the times and provide these these fellowships that uh, embrace this this idea of online fellowship chatting in one of the sections of this video they do a virtual reality you wear the headset you interact with people and whatever but those people don't meet in real life some of them have linked up on facebook and all of that but there's not real relationship there 
Now, there's a whole nother podcast that I'll do sometime in the future on how we ought to think through social media. But just as far as this, I think it's worthwhile thinking how do we understand the church and why is it important to actually physically be at a church? Now, I'm not saying there aren't exceptions to that. Obviously, some people physically cannot get to a church. And so the church needs to, in those instances, bring the church to that individual through through small groups or encouraging them in, in a variety of ways. That's part of the ministry of the church. But in the large majority of circumstances, there should be a local gathering for a couple specific reasons. And the first one that I'll just give a couple as they come. Uh, the first one that I would say is that when you have real biblical fellowship, and I guess I should qualify it saying like real physical fellowship, real relationship, what that ends up doing in the true church is it weeds out sin. And you, you can understand this because sin loves privacy. Uh, Proverbs 18 says the one who isolates himself seeks his own desire. He, he's a fool who tries to isolate himself because that's when you get into a bunch of trouble. And it's important when you think through what it means to function. I just remember growing up all the time, uh, if I wanted to get in trouble, I'd didn't want anyone else around. If I wanted to do something sneaky or that I knew I didn't want, that I knew I shouldn't do, you wanted to do that in private because if somebody else saw you, you know, if they saw you sneaking around, they would know you're up to no good. They would confront you. And my brothers were always great at telling my mom and dad that, you know, hey, you know, Peter's doing something he shouldn't be doing. So then I'd get in trouble. So that's what happens when you have other people around you. They see what you're doing and they can actually speak into your life and call you out when you're not living the way you ought to live. But if you think about contrasting that with a virtual church, obviously there's no one that can actually see your life. There's no one that can actually interact with you on a daily basis. That's why it's so important to have a local fellowship and actually be there. On top of that, when you have the instruction by Christ in Matthew 18 on church discipline, the assumption there is that you are regularly confronting sin in each other's lives and those who persist in the sin are actually excluded from fellowship. Well, if you think about the way that the virtual church is set up, I mean, I mean what are you going to do? You block somebody from a chat and then so what do they do? They'll just go to a different chat. I mean, that, that there is no accountability. There is no, uh, there's no discipline issue at all with that. And so the way the church is set up, though, is to provide that accountability, saying that if you persist in sin, there is a price to pay, and you are excluded from that fellowship because the church is to be a body of believers who are who are seeking holiness, who want to pursue that. And so if there's not a regular fellowship in a local body, then there's that, that accountability is missing. And that can't uh, can't be taken taken account of. Now, this might be uncomfortable for people. In fact, I'm I'm really targeting virtual churches versus physical churches. But I would also go ahead and say that this is a problem with many physical churches. I have been a part of a lot of different churches, and very few churches have ever taken part in the biblical process of discipline. You know, it's been few and far between the churches that have actually kicked somebody out of the fellowship because of persistent sin. And yet our churches are filled with adulterers. They're filled with uh, people who go through unbiblical divorces. They're filled with people who are content in their sin. And, and that's, that's fine by everybody's 
you know, by everybody's viewpoint, you know, that, that, that's good. And so that's the distinction between a good church. In fact, when I was, I don't know if it was in high school or college, I heard a pastor preach one time and it always kind of stuck with me when he was talking about the marks of a biblical church. He said that if you want to find a good church, make sure they practice church discipline. And I'd never heard that before. And it didn't, didn't really strike me as that important at that point. But now that I've gotten a little older, a little more mature, I realize the importance of that because that shows a church that's actually actually serious about following what the Bible says about how we conduct our lives. So it's important that we actually go to church in the age of technology because a true biblical fellowship actually weeds out sin and helps promote our pursuit of Christ-likeness. We uh, are, in the in the vernacular terminology, we are becoming more like Christ when, when we are growing in that way. So the second thing, a uh, second reason why we'd want to go to church versus actually live streaming it or something like that is because having a, a place in a local assembly, a real biblical fellowship, fosters obedience. It fosters obedience. And what do I mean by that? Well, Along with the previous point, not only do you have church discipline, that, that would be a, a matter of obedience, certainly, but I wanted to make a special point of, of the accountability of an actual physical relationship. But along with this point, there's a lot of things that Christ commands his church to do that it's just not possible to do uh, in a virtual setting. For example, what about baptism? Well, what are you going to do? Are you going to virtually baptize your avatar or something like that? I mean, I just don't see that being, you know, some people are like, oh, yeah, that's the solution. I, I just don't see that as being biblically appropriate, you know, that, and not only that, think about communion. What are you going to do? Virtually feed your avatar at, at, you know, the church service or something like that? See, this, this isn't a fake life that we're living. We are called to live a real life that's devoted with real symbolism of our commitment to Christ, our union with him. And, and then we symbolize that through remembrance, regular communion at the Lord's table. Now, when, when you think about these, these commands, which Christ gives us, because they are commands. These aren't just optional ordinances. These are the the commands, the stipulations that Christ has given to his church, these require a local assembly to partake together, uh, to have not just with the previous point, accountability uh, in saying, hey, we are still united around, around Christ for his honor and glory in a culture that's striving to go against the Lord. Not only that, but also just in the encouragement and edification of one another, knowing that we are real people who are going through real difficulties. You know, as much as as much as somebody in the words of the the young man who was being interviewed by CNN, as much as as much as he might feel connected to others in the virtual reality, in this online church and things like that through chatting, it's not a real relationship. And this is one of I mean, we could go a lot of different ways with this, but I, I will just say one of the important cautions I always have to give to uh, youngsters especially, but really everybody, is whenever you're texting somebody or emailing them or chatting them, you are reading their message however you want to. Uh, they might they might write a sentence that could be taken you know 40 different ways and you will read it however you want. And so that's going to filter your perception of them and you're going to be able to more easily create a a false connection with somebody 
because of how you are interpreting something without any uh, feedback. You're not seeing their face. You're not seeing their eyes. You're not seeing how they're actually communicating. And so all of those things play into play into it. And so it's it's worth being wise with regard to that is understanding those virtual relationships. It's easier to feel a connection, but the connection actually isn't legitimate in, in many uh, ways. Uh, so in addition to all of that, I mean, I, I always thought this is the one thing I always clung to growing up was you have Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, which says, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together, as is the manner of some, but come together and so much more as you see the day approaching. And so I think that's a very clear scriptural mandate that you are to gather together in a physical way, in a, in a real way, uh, because that because of all the reasons we've already listed. Uh, plus the next one, which is, uh, I don't know if I've ever thought about this before. Uh, well, before I first thought about it, which <laughs> ironically would have been probably a couple of years ago. And that's that the reason this would be, I guess the third one, the reason, Hey, it's a good number three, you know, you got, uh, the, the regular Baptist sermon, except I don't have a poem to go with it, but we'll just stick with three. So the biblical fellowship, a uh, real biblical fellowship is, important, is necessary, is demanded by God because it proclaims God's victory. So the first one would be that it weeds out sin. Second one would be it fosters obedience. The third one would be that it proclaims God's victory when you gather together in a real congregation. And you say, proclaims God's victory. What do you mean? Well, if you think about the story of scripture, uh, you have the fall of mankind in Genesis 3. And in Genesis 3, which if you think about it from a question perspective, which race was the race that fell and led humanity into sin? Uh, what race was Adam? I don't know. You know, uh, race is actually not a biblical construct because we understand that all races, as are defined by our society, come from Adam and Eve. And so Adam and Eve, when they sinned, Adam wasn't Jew. He wasn't Gentile. He wasn't Caucasian. He wasn't, he wasn't anything. He, he was human. And so all of it's, it's a human sin problem. It's not confined to one geographical location. It's not confined to one ethnicity. So it's a human sin problem. Every human being on the planet has a problem of sin. They are born into sin and they are bound for eternity in hell. Now, what the church signals then is that you have a gathering of all kinds of people. You have all ethnicities, you have all ages, you have all wealth statuses, health statuses, boys, girls, men, women. You have everybody gathering in one place. Where else can you have that? That's that's the that's the key. And if I can, uh, if I can take just one side note, that's what makes the church so unique is that you cannot actually have, you cannot have this broad spectrum of unity any other way. You know, one of the greatest examples of this, I think that you could find in the world would be in Israel, there are uh, Messianic churches, which have Jews, Germans, Russians, you know, uh, Americans, uh, all these different uh, countries of origin, ethnicities, you have all these different people worshiping the same Lord in one building. Well, what that's symbolizing and signaling to the world is that this is the key 
to human salvation. This is the banner which which symbolizes, hey, Adam messed up as a human being. And so now the Lord through Christ has given this way back to the Garden of Eden, as it were, the way back to paradise. Uh, this is the way to heaven for all mankind, not just whites, blacks, browns, pinks, you know, orange, you know, uh, polka dotted, you know, all these different uh, skin colors, ethnicities, you know, that's that's not an issue because the church is the symbol of a new humanity, everybody included. You know, what a great uh, what a great picture when a healthy church has an eight year old singing next to an 80 year old. I mean, what a great, great picture. I mean, that's just such a such a blessing. And so it's not, but I would say this, it's not just a representation to the world, although that is true because the world needs to see that. But Ephesians makes it clear that this is also a proclamation of victory to the watching angels. For example, in Ephesians 3.10, he says that the main purpose of proclaiming the mystery of the church is so that the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known through the church to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly places. Interesting. Ephesians 3.10 right there. So what Paul's saying is that the reason we proclaim this mystery of the church is so that God's wisdom might be made known to the rulers and authorities in, in heaven. So the angels can see how great God is. So if, if I were going to, if some little kid came up to me and is like, hey, why should I go to church? Why is it important to go to church? You know, a, a very biblical answer would be because you need to show the angels God's glory. I mean, what an awesome thing that is. What a privilege that by going to church and being a part of this emblematic sim symbolism of God's great wisdom and how he reconciles all of humanity under one banner, under one person, Jesus Christ, when you come together and symbolize that, what you're showing the angels is that, yes, the creator God is amazing. The creator God is all wise. His plan does work. And so it's not just about the human beings. It's about giving God glory in front of angels as well. And that's just that's just awesome to think about. You know, I I, I think, you know, when, when I was younger, I think this would have really struck home with me if I would have known this. Not saying I never went to church. I mean, I went to church all the time. But, you know, there were times where I would wonder why is it that we do, do go to church and why is it so important? Why can't we skip tonight? Or why can't we go some other time or just watch something online? Well, this is important. Going to church is this symbolic representation of how great God is and how wise he is to be able to reconcile all of humanity, rich, poor, weak, strong, every kind of human being possible in one way through the blood of Christ. What an amazing, amazing reality. So there are many benefits of technology. We know that. Uh, we, you know, for somebody who's invalid, who can't attend church, I mean, by all means, live stream, you know, that's. It's better to live stream, listen to listen to a sermon than, than not get anything, right? But we also know that technology can't replace true biblical fellowship, the true biblical understanding of why we ought to go to church, get that life-on-life -life relationship, the actual encouragement, that edification. And by the way, just as a side note too, that's why biblical hospitality is so important. That's really, really taking a back seat in our culture today. Because if somebody's going to 
have hospitality, usually they just say, hey, you know what, we're going to go out to eat someplace and we'll go out to eat. Well, that's okay. I'm not saying you shouldn't go out to eat, but there's something about inviting somebody into your home, embracing them, letting them be in your living space, letting them see you interact with your kids and in natural environment, all these kinds of things, which really kind of provide that life on life that's missing, which is why in the, in the biblical picture for the church, hospitality is always elevated as being a primary pursuit for believers. And so we definitely want to encourage others to pursue that. So in the end of the matter, then, uh, no matter how fast your Wi-Fi is, I guess, or how reliable your live streaming capabilities are, there's never going to be a replacement for actually physically going to church. So I hope you enjoyed listening to today's episode. If you have any comments or questions, go ahead and email me at peter at petergaming.com. If you want to find out more information on the podcast or about me, visit petergaiman.com. For more information on Shepherd's Seminary, visit shepherds.edu. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you.